Today's episode highlights the perspective of a student with disabilities studying abroad in Germany. My name is Hani Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Today's Coffee Connection is Michelle Shi, CBYX High School program alumna, teacher of students with visual impairments, and disabilities advocate. Have a listen. Hi, my name is Michelle Shi, and I'm currently a teacher of the visually impaired with DC Public Schools here in Washington, DC. I went to Germany with the 2012-2013, I believe it's been so long ago, CBYX program. It's called the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program, or PPP. And yeah, I went as a high school student, so right after I graduated as my gap year. And it started out because I saw my friend who was going to study abroad in Japan, and I thought it was so cool, and I wanted to study abroad too. And I didn't even know it was an option, you know, until she went. And then she told me, no, you can apply too, and you can apply to any country that you want. And, you know, I looked at the website that had the tuition on it, and I said, <laughs> I can't afford any of this. And, you know, my parents are very traditional, and they don't really believe in in gap years or in studying abroad. <laughs> so they said, no, like, can't, we don't, we're not going to pay for this. So if you want to go, you, you find your own way. So luckily, yeah, the US government and German government has these partnerships. And so I decided to apply and I applied in secret. How parents. did you find out about that? So originally I was applying for NSLIY and I was applying to go to China because my parents are from China and you know, I know how to speak Chinese. And during the application process, the person called me. She's like, why are you applying to China? You already know how to speak Chinese. And, you know, so why don't you apply for something else? And I was like, well, what other, you know, what other options are there? And she goes, well, there's, there's Germany, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, let's try that. And I think because I also have a disability. So my parents were, you know, China is not very disability friendly and when they heard Germany, I think they were more relieved, you know, it's like, okay, you can go to a development. So was that the first time you actually considered, like Germany was on your radar or have you had any exposure to maybe German culture, German language prior to that? Or was that the first time and you just jumped to the opportunity and, and went for it? Yeah, that was that was the first time. And before the CBYX opportunity came up, I also heard about YES, the YES program, which sends mm -hmm. you to Muslim countries. And I was like, oh, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to Indonesia. And my parents were like, no. And my grandpa used to be a captain. So he sailed, you know, the season and went everywhere. And he would always just say that he had a really good impression of Germany because back when China was poor, he would say that a lot of other countries would try to rip China off. But he said Germany was very professional and you know whatever was discussed was the way it is and so he never had an issue in, with in Germany and he enjoyed that place a lot. I well I have a I have a few follow-up questions but I do have to ask you have cerebral palsy is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for someone who's I've heard the term but I'm not really familiar with it would you just describe how that affects your life and then also specifically how it was for you then going abroad and maybe the questions that you had and kind of what to consider before going? So cerebral palsy is sort of just like a brain a neuro 
something that happens in my central nervous system, basically. And for me, it's that my left leg was influenced. Actually, both of my legs were influenced, but it's more so on the left side. And my balance is very poor. My muscles are tight. So it's hard for me to walk down the stairs, especially without a rail. I can't walk up and down stairs without a rail. I know there are some people who have cerebral palsy who have like a more severe case, you know, or on a spectrum and they may need a wheelchair, but currently I don't use any walking aids. What did you have to consider in going to Germany and how was the experience for you? I really did not know what to expect because <laughs> I had no exposure to Germany. I just knew it was a developed country. And so I just crossed my fingers and hoped <laughs> that it would be accessible. Throughout my experience, I was in touch with both the German side and the American side. You know, I was calling them up and I said, you know, I, I need rails to access places. Will I be able to, to even, you know, what, what is it going to be like after I get off the plane? Like, where are we going to go? Is the host family that I'm with, like, what's their house like, you know, because I want to be able to navigate it. They were very accommodating with that, especially if you give them clear explanations of what you need and what is difficult for you. I think Germans in particular are very, <laughs> are very good at finding solutions. How did you find navigating Germany and what was your experience like just in general? I mean, you didn't know anything about Germany at all. So tell me a little bit more about your experience. Yeah. So in the beginning, we had like a one month of a crash course for language because, you know, some people went there knowing some of the language and some people went there knowing none of it. And we were put in Zelle. Where is that for someone who's not familiar with it? It's in um, Lower Saxony. I didn't know what to expect. And my family was living in a rural area. So it was so, it was very rural. Yeah. And then my second host family was um, near there. And it was also extremely rural. Like they had a farm and everything. And so for me, like in a way it was easier to navigate because there's nothing around you, nothing to, to you know, really get in your way. But at the same time, it was just sometimes the roads were not always paved, you know, like in terms of the balance, it was a little more difficult, but I would say there was a bus stop right outside of our house. So I didn't really have a lot of issues and I don't know what it is in Germany, but their buses drive very well. So I saw that all their buses were Mercedes-Benz and I was like, you know, that's what happened in the U.S. Like I get on, even before I sit down, they've, they've already started driving away and it's all bumpy. But in Germany, I, I never had that problem really. And they would always you know, wait for me to sit down. But I just told them like, hey, I, I have this problem. And so did you communicate with them in German or how did you, especially since you didn't know any German at the beginning? Yeah, it was still in German. I just had my like dictionary. <laughs> yeah, because especially in, in places that are not the big cities, I realized that a lot of them still actually prefer to speak German or they might not even know English, especially the, the older generation. And they get upset when I spoke English. So I was like, oh, I need to speak German. Yeah, that's always the recommendation I give that if someone really wanted to learn German, then I say, don't go to the big cities, go to the small towns, because that's yeah. where you really learn the language because in Germany and Berlin, for example, so many people speak English that for someone who wants to learn German, sometimes that's actually quite hard. Yes, I agree. Like when I went to Berlin, I didn't go to Berlin that many times, but I was there 
for the Berlin Film Festival, just because mm. what it was like. And I swear, like, I did not hear a single word of German. <laughs> <laughs> well, in particular, the Berlin Film Festival is extremely international. So many yes. people from all over the world come. So I actually wanted to ask you, because yesterday I did speak with Blake Goodman, who's the chairman of the CBYX Alumni Association. So yesterday I actually did already talk to someone who participated in the program where they also do an internship. So what was the year like for you? You had this one month of intensive German, and then what kind of program did you have afterwards? So I think CBYX, they have two different types of programs. One is for like the high school side and the other one is for more of uh, the college students or like the more intensive internship. So I basically just went to high school, like, you know, other high schoolers, basically, they just stuck me into a class. I had German with seventh graders and then I had all my other classes with 11th graders. So it, it was a good mix. And then because that school had a program where you could have a month of internship. I was able to get like a one month internship at a um, Montessori school. And that was also a very good experience because, you know, I was around kids all the time. And so I could understand their German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how was it for you if you only just for a month learned German in a really intense crash course, and then you were just thrown into the water so to say and oh, yeah <laughs> it was it was difficult especially because they, they put you directly into a gymnasium and I was like that I I'm not ready for and you know they'll sometimes like they just put you where they have space so if it's an honors course where they have space then you end up in that and I can say like it was it was extremely difficult. Like the first four months, I was literally just sitting there and like not understanding a whole lot. But then like, it was kind of just like one day after the four months, it just started clicking and then everything started to make sense. And then I could, you know, look things up with dictionary and like the students are nice too. They'll help you. And so it ended up working out. And by the end of the year, I was able to like give presentations in German, like obviously not. Wow, that that's great. wow. That, but still, that's amazing. After just one year learning German to do that, I remember I did that in English after learning many, many years. But it was hard then. But only with the year of German, that's extraordinary. I think that's just like the benefits of living with a host family. You hear German all day long, and it it really helps. I mean, like. Now it's been quite a while and I haven't spoken German very often since, but I can still understand quite a bit of it because it just, it kind of almost never leaves you. <laughs> just, you yeah, I would also, I, I would assume once you go back, it probably takes a little bit, but then you'd be able to use it again. Yeah, and I think that's what is, what is very cool about languages. It's almost like swimming, you know, like you kind of have that muscle memory there. On the Mayusa website, you have a little blog entry about your experience, and you did talk about your parents and convincing them. I'm just curious, can you talk a little bit more about that, especially for a student with disabilities? And I assume your parents are have a few had a few concerns. So how did you talk to them about 
going abroad because the parents, of course, always are part of the process. But I assume for someone with disabilities, it may be even more involved and the parents may have even more questions. So what is your experience with that? Yeah, so I think that blog post was when Mayusa interviewed my parents. <laughs> so they, it was tough to, to persuade them. Um, when they found out that I was going to the interviews, obviously I was like, you know, can you drive me to the interviews? Because <laughs> I can't drive. And they were like, you did what? And they, they were the oh, only- So you didn't even tell them that you applied. No, I didn't tell them I applied until I, until I made it to the interview round. So this is, this is future Michelle's problem. If I get the interview, then I'm going to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, they, they went, they drove me there and nobody else's parents were there. You know, it was just the, just the kids. And but my parents, you know, they, did, they just kept sitting there and they were bombarding <laughs> the judges and everyone with questions. And like the alumni with questions like, oh, what's Germany like? Like, is it okay if she goes? Like, is the host family going to be safe? So they asked a lot of questions. And I think by the end of it, they were like, okay, you know what? We think it's okay. But there was a portion where they had to write a family recommendation letter. And so my dad wrote the worst recommendation letter, letter on the planet. Like he was very direct and honest. It's just like, my daughter can't do this. My daughter can't do that. <laughs> I didn't even see the the letter. The AFS people called me and they were like, by the way, like you got the thing. And I was like, what? Like I was so shocked. And when I read my parents' letter, I was like, I don't know why they picked me. <laughs> but because based off of what my parents said, yeah, they made what it. What did they say? Like, they just made it sound like I was extremely not independent, that like I can't go down the stairs, that I can't, you know what I mean? It was just very basic things that people my age should be able to do but they just said that I, I couldn't do these things or like we're sorry if you have to you know deal with her and all this but now that I look back I think that it was almost beneficial because they knew what they were getting into you know it was like the worst case scenario so I think because Germans are very realistic to, you know, they're like okay if we pick her like we know this is what we're getting into because you know when when AFS processes like everyone who's there, it's the parent, it's the host family who gets to come. They see your picture, they see what kinds of activities you're into, and then they choose you based off of that, and they get your whole record, including like your grades, everything that you've submitted ever to AFS. So I think they really get a whole picture view of who you are. Did you end up needing any additional support or any kind of accommodations or were you able to just navigate the space as it was? I was able to navigate the space as it was. I would say that in Germany, I've noticed that some of the stairs are steeper mm. or they have like these holes, you know, there it's like holes in between. And so that was a little more difficult, but um, you know, there were rails, rails are in the house. And so that it wasn't much, much of an issue. And then I hope you also got to travel in Germany. Yes, I, I actually traveled a lot. So where did we, you go in Germany? Hamburg, Hanover, Wolfsburg, Goslar. Where else? Do we, it was so many places. Leipzig. Back then there was this site called Mittfahrgelegenheit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we would just use that instead of the bond and and you would be able to get really um cheap prices you know 
to in writing. Can you notes. explain what that is, uh, Mitfahrgelegenheit? It's almost like a rideshare program, kind mm -hmm. of like Uber and Lyft, but they go longer distances. And I think it's mostly they carpool to you know help the environment. And they don't. I don't think they get paid, right? It's just it's just kind of well a little bit to help with the a gas. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so at first, when I told my parents I was going to use this, they were like, oh, my God, is this safe? Like, you're just going to go getting in a stranger's car. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, why not? It's one fifth the price of a bond ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so and I met some of the nicest people and most accommodating people there. They were so nice. And And because, you know, sometimes they would drive two, three people, four people at a time, you would end up making friends and you would have people to talk to during the car ride, you know, so it was very nice. And I, every time I went to Berlin, I went with the and I think now they've changed it to, it's called Blah Blah Car now. Mm. Yeah. So. so what is your favorite city in Germany and why? So I really like Berlin. I know it's such a cliche answer, but I think it's just because how of how accessible it really was. Mm -hmm. And also I lost my wallet twice in Germany and once one time it was in Berlin. And I was just like, you know what? This is a lost cause. I'm never gonna find it. This is huge. But they found my wallet in under 24 hours and they gave it back oh, to wow. me. And all of everything was intact. When you say that it's accessible, what does that really mean for you specifically? I think for me, that's just a very walkable city and a very well-paved city. So I can imagine that, you know, someone with a wheelchair would be definitely able to, to navigate on their own. And for me, it was also a lot of curb cuts because it's hard for me to step off that curb. Even when the curb was higher, there was usually like some kind of rail or some kind something there that I could kind of lean against to, to go down. I mean, I might look a little weird, but <laughs> it's just, you know, if Who I cares? Get, yeah, if I can get where <laughs> I need to go, then yeah. I'm glad that we speak because, of course, as someone who I can just walk and I don't have any physical disabilities, you don't really think like someone who who does need some accommodation. So it's it's always interesting for me to have that perspective and to also see where there's still work to do. So asking that, like, what are things maybe that still needs to be improved for you to have an even better experience? I would say there's a lot of more older buildings. Mm -hmm. I think that they preserve just for you, especially like the Schloss or new museums. I think most museums now are, are pretty renovated, but the school that I went to was actually in a sh like an old schloss and the stairs were very so pretty, but not very uh, accessible to you. <laughs> yeah, it was so pretty on the outside. I was like, oh, this, you know, I was expecting that if I walk in, <laughs> it would be very, you know, accessible, but it was difficult and the floors like creaked and everything. And sometimes there's like, the, you know, random stairs that are, so I also have a visual impairment. I have glaucoma and part of my field is missing. And so like, for example, if I look up, I might not actually see that there's a stair there. And I can imagine for people with wheelchairs, it's almost the same thing. Like their wheelchairs on a different height and there's like a random step there. Then, you know, people can, if they keep on going forward, their wheelchair is going to flip. So how did she navigate the school then? It does, it does sound like it's very pretty, but not very accessible at all. It was slow. 
when you got into the school, it was hard to get in. But then once you got up to the floor with all the classrooms, they were just typically next to each other. So that wasn't too difficult. But it's just getting into the school and getting out of the school was a struggle. <laughs> it would just take a lot longer than other people. So your experience, how did that affect you personally, but then also professionally? One of the things is, so first, sustainability is a very big thing in Germany. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, I had to sort my trash even like before I went to Germany and my host family was so eco-friendly. They always got so upset if I, <laughs> you know, didn't um, sort my trash. So uh, that's one thing that I think they kind of just hammered. Into and they're me. not just two different ones like here in the U.S. oftentimes when there is recycling, but there are four or five, six different that ways to recycle too. Yes. And sometimes in the U.S., like I just saw this the other day and I don't understand, but they have different, you know, different bins or holes. You put it in, but it goes to the same trash bag. So <laughs> essentially you're not, you think you're recycling, but you're actually not. And I think in Germany, there was one time when I really didn't know where to throw something. So I just threw it in any bin and I got yelled at <laughs> by an elderly woman. And I think, you know, Good thing they did it back when I was in high school, you know, <laughs> I was still young because I think now if I did that, it would be, you know, even more embarrassing. But I think it really taught me the importance of, of recycling. And now, like, if I don't recycle, it's kind of like a reflex. If I don't do it, I get kind of annoyed. I'm like, where, where do I put this? Like, why is there nowhere to put this? <laughs> so that's one thing. My host family, the host mom was a foster care, really, because she was a social worker. So I actually lived with a bunch of foster care kids. And just seeing like how she interacted with these kids and kind of took them in as her own, that really influenced me too. And, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to work in orphanages and, and stuff like that. So it was, it was a good experience too. How and many of those kids were there? When I was there, it was three, three. Okay. Yeah. And it was just 24 seven, like those kids stay with her all the time. And I think she would get like a certain you know, a little part of her salary would go towards taking care of these children, bringing them places. And so wherever these kids went, like I got the chance to, to go to. So it was nice to tag along. And then I remember one time I had to go to the doctor's office and like get medicine and stuff like that. And I saw that the medicine had Braille on it. It had accessible stuff on it, you know. And if I told them that I couldn't get it, like if I couldn't go there to get it, they like drove the medicine to my house. So I just like in general, I saw that, you know, people were just very accommodating. They really tried their best. Is that, is that not a case here? Well, if I get my uh, prescriptions usually from CVS and yeah, there is no Braille on that. Is that usually the case here in the U.S.? Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of medication with, with Braille on it, so. Which would seem extremely important. Yes, because a lot of the boxes and the, the bottles, yeah. they look the same. Yeah, so that is, yeah. And I think now they obviously, they have the free delivery with CVS and everything. And I'm assuming that's going to stay because now, especially with the coronavirus and everything. Mm -hmm. um, what I think back then in 2012, 2011, that it wasn't really heard of as much, you know. And then professionally, how did that experience in Germany influence your career? Yeah, I think 
it kind of, <laughs> so I work with students who are visually impaired. I work, you know, with special education. Oftentimes we don't have a lot of funding for things that we need. We really have to cut through a lot of red tape to get where we want to go. And I think that being in Germany, studying abroad and, you know, all of that just really helped me see like to never give up, you know, to keep going for what you need because eventually you will get it. It just might take longer, but I know like in Germany, I just learned to be very persistent and to communicate because, you know, in the beginning I would try to, especially at school, I would try to hide my disability. And I found that that was a terrible mistake because, you know, my disability is not super obvious, but it's not completely hidden either. And I think maybe because my parents are just used to seeing my disability that they know immediately, they're like, don't walk like that. You need to walk better. You need to, you know what I mean? But for people who don't see me all the time, they may not realize that I have a disability. And so I think for a while, a bunch of people are like, why, why are you like stopping at the top of the stairs? Like, <laughs> why are you doing, you know what I mean? Like, they'll just look at you like what's wrong type of thing. But so I think it's very important to disclose it, especially when you're studying abroad, just so that people can accommodate you in, in the best way. And then once you had this conversation, how how was that for you? And maybe also in comparison to the United States, maybe the conversations that you would have at home. So I found that in general, like they are very understanding and they're not like super invasive about your personal life, especially in Germany. I would just say, oh, by the way, like I have this disability and my balance is bad, so I might need help with this. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they wouldn't really ask me more, any more questions. You know, they're just like, just let me know if you need help. Whereas in the US, I feel like you tell them and they're more likely to ask more like, oh, like what caused it? Like, you know, like, or they'll, it's out of the goodness of their heart, I would say, you know, but sometimes they try to help and then they help in a way that you don't necessarily <laughs> need them to help. And so I think that is one of the biggest differences is that in Germany, they kind of expect you to just advocate for yourself. You know, like if you need it, then you say it. And I expect that what you say is what you mean. So I'll just do as you say type of thing. Yeah. What do you say for other students with disabilities? What would have helped you more in preparation of studying abroad than, and then also being in Germany? You said you did communicate with the organization in the U.S. and also in Germany, but what other ways would there be that would have made your experience even better? I think in terms of disability, I just, I never really even reached out to any of the disability organizations in Germany. You know, I just reached out to my study abroad organization. And I think that if I was able to connect with the disability organizations over there in Germany, I think it would help me a lot. And it would help me be exposed to more people with disabilities in Germany, because honestly, I did not see that many. If I could redo it, that's what I would do. I would go and get connected with them to see what resources are available. Is there something like a fun story or something that you find important, something that you would like to share that I didn't ask yet? So it's not really like a fun story, but I think a lot of Americans don't realize that when they go to the doctor, because I had to go to the doctors a few times, 
they don't realize that you have to like take off your, your shirt for the doctor. And so a lot of my friends were like, what? Like, why? You know, a lot of the people who were studying abroad with me, like whenever we were sharing during the halftime camp, they were always be like, why did we have to take off our shirts? Like, I thought they <laughs> didn't know what they were going to do. And I think there, it's little things like this, you know, that I feel like Germans are less ashamed of their body. You know, they're just like, this is a body. If you if you see these things on TV, it's just like normal. Like everyone has a body type of thing. Whereas I feel like in the US, it's more sexualized. It's more, you know, people are more afraid to talk about things, even if they're important, you know, so. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but in the GDR specifically, and I'm from East Berlin, nude beaches were super normal I mean you still see them now but so I this is what I grew up with so for me it was very normal of course as a teenager I was extremely uncomfortable and I I didn't do it but I don't have an issue showing myself but I know with American female friends they wouldn't even change clothes in front of me where I'm like you're a good friend like why do you not yeah yeah mm-hmm that's especially, especially in um, high school in the U.S., you know, we have gym, you have to change. I can't, like, in middle schools, like, when they're starting to, you know, have puberty and they, when we start having gym class where you have a locker room and everything, and I just remember some people would change in the bathroom. <laughs> I think, you know, because my parents are from China, we have a bunch of, like, acupuncture clinics, we have a bunch of saunas, like, that's part of the Eastern you know, medicine. So to me, it was just like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I would always say this is just too much time to think about that. And then to go somewhere else is like, if I just do it quickly, I'm done and I can focus on something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it that you miss about Germany? Is there something that you miss? I think I miss the directness to be honest, in the beginning, it was something that I really had to get used to. And I was like, oh my God, this person does not have any tact. Like, that's so rude. But then now I realize, like, it's not rude. It's just saving time and getting your message across. Well, yeah. you always know where you add with the German. I mean, I am German and there there is certainly a time and place for directness. And sometimes it's better to not have that. But overall, I do prefer the the straight answers and you know what to expect so last question for someone who has a disability what do you suggest as the first steps to take and maybe things to consider if they are interested in study abroad or intern abroad if you know you're paying for it then you would reach out to the organization or like for example reach out to my user they have some very good connections talk to people who... Can you, I know what Mayusa is, but for someone who's not familiar with Mayusa, can you just briefly explain what Mayusa is and what they do? Yeah, it's Mobility International USA, and they're an organization that, you know, encourages travel and exchange for people with mobility disabilities. They hold a lot of different, you know, webinars. They have some very good information on their website. You can reach out to Ashley Holbin, yeah, she's very helpful. If you connect with her on LinkedIn, she can connect other people who would be helpful to talk to. They have connections, you know, all over the world. So whichever country you're interested in, I'm sure there'll be someone <laughs> there. Yeah, and thanks to Ashley. We also got connected and I'm happy that we did get the chance to speak. If someone 
wanted to ask more, get in touch with you, how would they do that best? Yeah, so I think the best way would just be to email me. My email is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, and then X and the she, S-H-E, at gmail.com. This was my coffee connection with Michelle She. For more information for students with disabilities wishing to go abroad, visit myusa.org. That's M-I-U-S-A.org. All content is created and edited by me, Honey Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at dad.org. Stay safe, healthy, and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.